0: Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Carraway. And Lisa Pace. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC
1: flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing
0: pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? (laughs) MMA Amazing. Radio.
2: Welcome to It's M Amazing Radio, I am your host Dr. Law, with me as always, DJ Mark. What's up? Also with me, Kid Presentable.
1: Not always here, but I'm back this week with a little angry boy puppy in my lap.
2: And finally, man who last statement he made to any of us before this podcast started was talking about sensuality and being sensual. Lavender Gooms
0: is here, folks. That fits perfectly with me about to say, Bob, you're looking as ravishing as ever.
2: I appreciate that, my friend. Haven't shaved in three days, but it's okay. Sitting in my apartment where it's too hot.
0: I think somebody's thirsty,
2: Mike.
3: I am. <laughs> no, it's, no. It's, but Mike is Mike's thirsty, right? Mike, it means horny, right? And he's the one being all weird and creepy, saying saying romantic well,
0: things. What Bob cut me off on before we started the podcast was that we had been having a little recording trouble, and as I apparently am a master at recording from a few weeks ago, I told him you just got to give it a nice sensual touch of the butt. I can't know?
2: wait, Mike. You know what, guys? Mike's just gonna record every episode from now on. It's <laughs> way easier. Hey, I'm up. <laughs> Sounds like he likes it. No problem. Um. All right, boys, boys and girls. Uh, this week got a lot of free time, man. Have you ever thought about this podcast? The half that they talk about MMA was too much. Well, this is gonna be the episode for you because we got about 15 minutes in us, I think, and that's me really stretching it. I think. Um, we're gonna talk a little about Conor McGregor's interview with Ariel hawani Yep, we're gonna talk about an interview. Um. Despite my protests, we're gonna talk about Bellator after that. Uh, about Mitrione finding new ways to have an embarrassing performance. Landing zero punches against Ryan Bader was not good enough. And um I forgot what we called it, Stefan when we got it we were angry about something. I was our ripoff of Wag of the Finger. But I got something like that for Bellator. There was a name for this. <laughs>
1: I'm probably at a segment, but yeah, I, I get where you're coming from. I didn't catch any of this. Uh, this is all news to me. No, no,
2: I'm saying like a, it was like post-2016 election. You and I got on our soap, soapbox a lot. We had a name for like what's making us angry. Anyway.
1: no, uh, <laughs> It was called the Great Listener Drop-Off of 2016.
2: That's, that's That was a good name for it too, yes. Um, talk a little about Nick Newell. Um, we're going to talk about the one fight worth your time this weekend on this UFC card which I can say with near 100% confidence that they booked with no intention anybody on this side of the, of the world watching. Because there's no explanation for this.
1: Um, this one's not for us. Honestly, it's yeah. fine. It's not for us. You know, the Hong Kong police need some entertainment between their beatings. Uh, <laughs> I'm so tired of beating up
3: protesters. I want to see professionals beat up each other.
1: Yeah. Um, I, I don't know
2: anybody on this card. Like, that's, that's not true. I know the main event. You know the main event. And you
3: know uh, Lee The co-main
1: is the yeah. Chinese tough guy. I
3: yeah. do, okay, I that's true. We do know the Chinese. On level. every tough card. Or Chinese and Mark De La Rosa sounds super familiar. It's
2: just because his name isn't Japanese, Chinese, or Korean. And everybody else on this card's name is. Okay? And this one guy's last name is France. It's, so... It's, uh, Kai Kara hyphen France. And guess who he's fighting? Mark De La
3: Rosa. So there's a fight. That's fun. You know what?
2: He's from New uh, uh, Cara Francis from New Zealand. Where's De La Rosa from? He's really from... The, they're going to make some dude from this country go all the way there for this? Just get another guy
3: from
0: well, fucking Australia. Really part, of the,
3: part of the perks of being an international fighter nah, is got international paid. Trouble.
2: Pay tax to the Chinese government. Pay tax when you get here. This guy's making $14 on this trip. Tops. Got to become an Instagram model like Paige. That's how you get paid these days. Being good-looking on the internet. Um, all right, guys. Uh, Conor McGregor punched a fucking old man in a bar. That wasn't a good look. It was a long It's a long stretch of, that's not a good look for Conor McGregor going for a while now. Except for the making money on whiskey. He's doing a great job there. Um, he had a big interview with Ariel Hawani, It was like 40 minutes. Talking about a lot. Um... The relevant parts, I mean, look, he talked about how he doesn't, like, and some of it was nice to hear about. He does, like, I don't want to be the cliche of a guy who had it all and then blew it all. He says, I want, you know, the money I made to be generational for my kids and their kids and their kids. He said all that shit, which is great, and it's great to hear. But the parts that were relevant, if you ask me, was that him talking about who he wants to fight and uh, him talking about how before he broke his hand— he was talking about fighting Justin Gaethje in Madison Square Garden in June. So this must have been months ago, Well, when Madison Garden wasn't Square Garden wasn't booked for November yet. Um, him versus Justin Gaethje sounds fucking awesome, by the way. He talked about wanting to fight Khabib, and he says, if I don't fight him immediately, that's okay. But he's like, I'd like to fight somebody like, he says, I'm willing to fight like Frankie Edgar, who fights like a similar style of the type of shots he takes, like which foot he shoots off of and yada, yada, yada. Um, talked about how happy he was to see Nate back and said that he thought it was fine if Nate didn't call him out because he said, like, look, we had two very hard fights. Took a lot out of both of us. If he wants to do a rematch, I'm happy to do it. If not, it's fine as well. And he said how how much he respected Nate. And he loved that Nate's first comment was calling out his older brother, shouting out his older brother at the end of the fight, which we made a bunch of jokes about the Nick Diaz army. And how much, and Conor talked about how much he loved that, yada, yada, yada. Um, Marcus, I go to you because at the end of this, I was just like, man, just fight somebody. I mean, my, my takeaway, and I didn't I didn't hear the interview,
3: so I couldn't, you know, hear the inflection of his voice. But just reading basically the transcript, more or less. Um, what it really just told me is that, and, and this is not s- special to Conor McGregor, but all fighters, this sport will pass you up. And Conor hasn't fought in a while. And the sport's starting to pass him up a little bit, right? Like, we have new champions. We have new stars in the making. And I think he's starting to see from the outside in is like, ooh, like, this ball is going to keep on rolling whether I'm on it or not. And he wants to get back on it. So it, what, what I got from this interview was he seems a lot more humble, right? He wasn't shit-talking anybody. He was basically saying like, oh, and, and this is what we've seen. From him a lot on the outside on Twitter is just him congratulating a lot of the peoples he's fought and, and being very respectful. He, which he clearly great.
2: misses it, Marcus. Sorry to interrupt, but he clearly misses fighting. It's obvious. He used to fight. Oh, he, used, he, fought, he was very active before all this last couple of years. He was very active.
3: And yeah, like, he has. He has been very active. But my, my kind of takeaway was just that like it seems like he misses it. And he's realizing now that his position in the sport has changed a bit. I mean, let's let's be honest. I think the the Habib fight kind of took him down a peg, and it's like, okay, you're not top dog now. You are top dog in drawing for sure, absolutely. But he has ground to work with now, right? I mean, before he was the guy calling the shots. He's the one saying, "I'm getting the title shot. I'm in the main event. I'm making the big money." And now he's still going to make the money, obviously, because he's still going to draw, you know, extremely well. But I feel like. Nate not calling out on him kind of said something to him. It's like, oh, everyone used to be, I want to fight Conor. Everyone wanted the red panty fight, right? And now he hasn't been around. There hasn't been a lot of talk about him necessarily returning. So people are finding other ways to generate a lot of heat. And I think Masvidal's big win over Ben put him in a great position. And Nate, I think I read this after the fact, and I think it's true. And I never heard Nate say it, but I'm sure Nate, Felt really happy to call out Masvidal, who's a guy that's very similar to him—not just an attitude, but has been in the game for a long time and has been looked over for the majority of his career. To call on him at his biggest moment and make a big, high-profile fight instead of giving it to connor where connor he has been in that position basically since he started in the UFC. He's been the big-money fight, so I think it was nice for Nate to get away from connor and not have—and not have this thing be where it's just like Nate's only popular because he fought connor twice and he beat him once and he lost to him once, like. No, Nate's popular because he's a fantastic fighter that's been doing this forever, and he can generate his own buzz. It doesn't have to always be with Conor.
2: Yeah, it was a lot of what we talked about last week, actually, Mark. When I think we, uh, we uh, I know we talked about last week where we said like, just fighting somebody popular isn't enough. You got to do something with it, and Nate did something with it. Nate made himself a red panty night fight or whatever. You know, that's what Nate is now. You got to do that for yourself, and some of that you got to win the fucking fight, obviously. Um, but what,
3: what I will say, what I do like is I, I was negative because I'm kind of feeling like you know Connor feels like he's on the outside end. What I do like is, is what he was alluding to and what you're alluding to, and, and what I'm excited about is I want to see Connor fight more. Um, is is critical as I am of him, and I've been very critical of him in the past and presently. Um, I think he's an amazing talent. He's a fantastic fighter to watch. And there's a lot of really exciting matchups for him. There there have always been a lot of exciting matchups because he's fluctuated in, in his weight classes so much. But a lot of the fights he's talking about, Gaethje sounds awesome. Him running it back with Max Holloway, running it back with Dustin Poirier, running it back with Habib, running it back with Nate. Him, you know, Mosvidal beats Nate, him in uh Masvidal, I think is great. There's just a plethora of really interesting ma- I'm not crazy about the the frankie edgar fight was the one where i'm like all right i really don't need to see that and i don't know bobby did he mention in the interview is he interested in going back down to 45 because i'm
2: personally not interested in seeing him cut the weight again i think i don't think it's that necessarily either i think i mean he talked about a lot of stuff man but he was mostly just talking about wanting to fight frankie because he talked about how much respect he has for frankie because he's like frankie never said a bad word about me he just said he wanted to fight me and he said, I want to fight Frankie because of that. And also because he thought the way this one this had kind of impressed me because I didn't I don't know if this is true or not, but he said the way he shoots on takedowns reminds me of Khabib and I'm like the way which leggy uses and the way he pushes. And I was like, Okay, sure. Um I mean, there is a wealth of difference. No, I think you just talk difference. about like their entries are. I think he's talking about their entries really specifically. Sure, the entry on Habib is bullshit.
3: He he dives at your legs, and once he gets you know an what's ankle, interesting. By the
2: way, we'll get back to this in a. I mean, actually, let's come back to Habib in a moment. But let's go with this here. Um, Mike, who do you want in the fight? He said he he said his hand is basically healed. He can start grappling in a couple weeks. He thinks he'll be able to get a fight by the end of the year. Who? What do you really want to see him do? I mean, because let's be him. honest, the belts don't matter. What who do you want no. to see him fight? <laughs>
0: No, he don't. I want to see him fight a guy that's not going to go to the ground at all, so I don't want to see him fight any type of wrestler of any sort. So I wouldn't want to see him fight Frankie. Um, Would't want him to see him fight Habib, honestly, because I think this is going to be more the same the last time if he fights Habib again. I think a guy like Gaichi would be a perfect fight. like a guy that's going to be an action fighter, you know, is just going to try to keep it, you know, standing. Um I think that would be a perfect fight for Conor cuz frankly I, I just want to see him you know be able to shine a bit. It's going to be a guy that's going to be very good competition for him and you know a way to, for him to build himself back up.
2: Yeah, I I mean they've officially broken my need to care about any of these belts. Beyond the fact that I feel if I'm paying for a pay-per-view, you better have a fucking belt on the line. But um Steph um what do you think? I mean, Mike said Gechi. What do you think of maybe Connor? Because I remember Connor was flirting with Donald Cerrone too. Uh, Gechi is fight, fighting Cerrone on uh, your birthday on the 14th of September. Him fighting the winner of that fight makes a lot of sense to me too. Uh, what do you think of that? And or in general, who do you think he should fight?
1: I mean, that works. Obviously, Gechi versus everyone is fireworks, right? Mm-hmm. Gechi is instant box office. Um, that's that's always an easy pick. That's always an easy draw. Um, you know, you say you don't worry about belts. To me, my answer is uh, the best of both worlds. Um, I'm interested in a couple of rematches with him, um, and that's either Poirier or uh, Holloway. Um, he caught Holloway very, very young. Um, Poirier is at this new level with a interim title. like His hands have come a long way. Both those guys are not... No one's going to the ground in those fights unless they're getting knocked to the ground. Um, yeah, I think it's interesting. Like We could say his star faded, but in my eyes... Connor is always half a fight away from a title shot. I mean, no,
2: he's the number one draw in the company. Nate's the mo- number one active draw, but uh, Conor's still the biggest draw in the company by a mile.
1: So, yeah, you know, either of those fights, either of those rematches comes right in, you know, slots him right back into the title picture. I'd rather see him fight Holloway at, at lightweight that kind of protects the belt on Holloway. I, I just don't know that Conor can really make 45 anymore. But um, just... It seems like forever ago that he fought those dudes, and those guys have really, really ascended in their skill cap since then. So, um, you know, I I know people like fresh matchups, and Gaethje would be a great one, uh, you know, provided he wins. But, um, you know, if we have to run something back, I think there's two great options right there as well. It just struck
2: me. Donald's moving down. Has Donald been at 55 for a while now, or is it just he's going going back down for this fight? I mean, he's fought a couple— is this him going back to 155, or was he already down there? Does anybody remember?
0: No, he's been at 170. If he's moving down to 155, this is his first fight down there. Because he's facing Gaethje. In it's it's going to be
2: at 55. Uh, because he had that run. Dad Cerrone was on a bit of a run there before he lost to Tony Ferguson. Um, Yeah, okay. Um, This just dawned on me. Khabib's coming back in two weeks. Uh, yes. Nobody gives a shit. I don't, like, he's been gone for a year. I don't, I mean, unless I'm missing something, it's not a big, like, oh, shit, Khabib's back. I don't, We're just. are still two weeks away, and it's usually
3: not until the week of where the machine starts ramping up. But with the card being so weak this this particular week, you think it would be a little bit more in the headlines. I mean, they're,
2: put, they're putting the Muslim fighter in front of a bunch of Muslims, too. I get it. You're going to try to get them to cheer for him. Um. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, uh, Anyway, um, it's an interesting interview. It's like 40 minutes. I enjoyed it. Um, he's not like, he's being humble. He's still Conor McGregor. You know, he still toss some stuff. But like, he says he'd love to fight Max again. He did say that though. Um, and he said that he, I don't like, he said he very much that he didn't like that. All the stuff Max went through that like last year. Remember Max like couldn't fight because he was like slurring his words, trying to cut weight and stuff. And Connor was like, "We don't really talk about what happened to him there and how he came back from that and yada yada yada." And I was like, oh. "The man pays a lot of attention for a guy who's not fighting." Let's put it that way, like a lot of attention. Anyway, um, Bellator happened. Uh, do you want to describe the clusterfuck that was Matt Mitrione and Karatanov Mark? Uh yeah, I mean, because there, I mean, the
3: big takeaway from this fight was equipment malfunction that basically kind of spoiled the fight. But, um, you know, in the first round, it, this is an interesting matchup. Uh, Sergey and Matt Mitrione, they're both two guys that like to stand. I mean, they're both well past their prime. Uh, I didn't even realize Mitrione was 41 years old, and Sergey is 39 with just a wealth of experience under his belt. But I've always been a big fan of Sergei. Um, dude has really great hands, uh, great right hook to the body, fantastic jab, and a really great uh, right uppercut. Um, this fight was actually pretty entertaining. Matt was doing a pretty good job when he was pushing the pace and just getting off first. Sergey kind of freezes when you throw at him. He just kind of covers up and waits for you to finish your combination. He's not really a guy that's going to sit in the pocket, look for counters. What started to happen was Matt Mitrione's mouthpiece started flying out anytime he got touched. And I think it was like the third or fourth time it happened in the first round. I think it was Dan Mergaliaga was the referee. He basically told Matt, like, look, if it if it falls out again, I'm taking a point away. And Matt said, like, this is a new mouthpiece. I have another mouthpiece in my mouth, in, like, my bag. And Dan was like, it doesn't help me at all. Like, just keep it in your fucking mouth, bro. Um, So uh, going into the second round, you know, Matt really had to make a conscious choice to basically bite down. I mean, uh, when you're... Exhausted or just you know slightly fatigued, you, a lot of fighters tend to breathe out of their mouth, leaving their mouth open. And with a new what they call a boil and bite mouth guard, where you basically boil a piece of plastic, bite into it to get the curvature of your teeth. Those mouth guards just don't fit in very well. Um, a lot of professional mouth guards, you actually go to an orthodontist. They take the full top and bottom rows of your teeth and really clamp that sucker in. And I mean, if you look at like pro boxing matches and stuff. The refs, when they take the mouth guard out, they have to fucking put two fingers in there and really rip that shit out. So Matt, you know, did not come prepared. And I don't know what the story is behind it. You know, he said he had another mouthpiece in his bag. The only excuse I can think of is if he arrived to the arena late, they lost his bag in transit and he just had to make something work. And they got this thing, boiled it up and put it in his mouth. Um, But ultimately, it cost him the fight. Not only was it just a huge distraction, but it literally was a major factor in the sequence that ended the fight where Sergey basically hit him with a right hand on top of the head, like, you know, in the temple area. And it still flew out. Matt Metrione takes a second to kind of look at it and point and tell Dan, like, Oh, it fell out again. My bad. Um, he, he, he does turn back. Sergey doesn't hit him with like a, a shot where he wasn't looking at him, but you can tell that he was just unfocused for a second. Sergey landed a beautiful right uppercut Basically knocked Matt down. He followed it with a knee while he was falling down. At that point, Dan actually went up and picked up the mouthpiece, so he turns back to the fight. And dudes, basically on the ground covering up. Sergey lands a couple more hammer fists and uh, finishes the fight. Um, but it was just it just sucked because that first round, Matt was doing some good stuff. Sergey was in the fight. This is a really compelling matchup with two strikers that were just going to go at it. And it, it looked like it was going to be a fun match until, you know, we had an equipment malfunction that you know uh, unfortunately ended Matt's uh, night. Probably prematurely.
2: Um, And the other relevant part of this card, for some reason buried on the prelims, Nick Newell um, won. And apparently he was on a one fight deal where he had to win to get another offer to fight another Bellator fight. Um, This is the part where I was not happy. Are you fucking kidding me? Um, Bellator knows we see who's on their shows, right? I'm supposed to believe that there's any sort of fucking equation that Nick Newell has to earn his 14 and fucking two. Nick Newell. Okay. 16 and two now actually, but it was, but he's uh he had to like one fight deal. Bellator's such a fucking prize place to be. I mean, the guy he beat Corey Browning was Corey Browning on a one fight deal. Were any of these other 15 lightweights on this deal on a one fight deal. He should have co-main evented this card. Like, am I missing something here, Mike?
0: Yeah, well, I find, I can understand why the UFC could be high-minded and make Nick Newell go through the Dana White contender Series. I, I barely understand the UFC. that. UFC.
2: I barely understand that one, but yeah. <laughs>
0: but you understand it on some level, you know. Um, But Bellator? I mean, this is the promotion that gave us Dada 5,000. Is it 5,000? Yes,
2: 5,000.
0: Dada 5,000 versus Kimbo. This is the promotion that maybe two years ago gave us, you know, Ken Shamrock and Tito Ortiz as a main event. I mean, you're fucking Bellator. Are you kidding me? You can't give
2: me a relatively young guy who's got some sort of name on your shows? Like, he's gotta, like, earn the, like, I'm supposed to believe this is some sort of, like, pro wrestling angle where you gotta win to get the contract here? Like, what the fuck?
0: If this is Bellator. They're not exactly, you know, bursting with, you know, household names. And if anything, I thought they would jump at the chance of, hey, there's this really good dude with an arm and a half. Come watch. I can't even believe they're not even trying to play and he's not a freak show by any sense of the of, of any stretch of the word. But I can't even believe Bellator didn't think, well, we can at least play the angle that he has half an arm.
2: I mean, dude's got 13 finishes and 16 wins. I don't know, man. I He's I re- I was like, I was happy he won, but then I read all that post-fight bullshit, and I was like, one, I hope it wasn't true, because what the fuck? Like, <laughs> I don't know. That was just like a little like, come on, man. Like, what? you don't have to manufacture shit here. Like, he clearly, if he lost, you should have given him two more fights before you didn't give him another fight. Like, I don't, I'm sorry. How wasn't it on the main card? Also, what are we what are we doing?
3: Anyway, yeah, that's what I was most confused. about. not? I like, am I missing? Oh. I,
2: seriously, I don't. I I I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Marcus. What did I miss here? That like he's not a co not the co main event or at least. Oh no, I
3: I, I have no. I mean, co main event. I, I'm not quite sure, but I mean, Third I think flight. The Is there? I mean, it definitely should have been on the main card. I don't I don't know why he's on the the prelims, and I don't know. And I didn't hear about this whole one fight. I mean, to me, what that sounds like is just like what you said, Paul. It's just like manufacturing, trying to get some hype around this fight, which I think is already, I mean, Nick Newell is just an intriguing character in and of himself. I don't think you need to add drama to his fights because he's already one, an extremely skilled mixed martial artist, two, with a very, I I mean, handicap. I don't know what, you know, I don't know what the correct PC term is, but what I love. About watching nick newell fight is that he has to adapt very differently to the fight game and he has like he i mean you can look at his i think it's his right arm left that um that has the you know it's basically it's it's i don't know if it's amputated or what it is but it, it comes um it basically stops right before the elbow so he has a little bit of a a little crux and do fucking uses it and he uses it in this fight you know he basically uses that little uh i don't know what you call it, elbow pit to clamp he's clamped in heel hooks with it he clamps in chokes because he can just grab onto that thing that's basically what he did here not not also to, to mention you know because he's missing part of a body part that everyone else has um it gives him kind of a weight advantage too because that's one less you know thing that has to he has to weigh on so he can build more muscle and you know fight at a more comfortable weight or whatever but honestly i've always loved nick newell just because he does things that other fighters can't because of his you know um, condition, but, uh, do still comes to fight. He obviously has a little bit of a disadvantage when it comes to the standup because he doesn't have a hand and a form for blocking and punching. Um, but he makes up for it and he's an ex- and I think his record kind of speaks to that. And I think, like you guys said, um, he is of the caliber that is deserving to be on Bellator without any kind of antics. I mean, it took almost uh, two
2: full rounds of Justin Gaethje, who doesn't put exactly a slow pace on anybody to put him down. Like, and Justin Gaethje is one of the top, you know, four or five lightweights in the goddamn world. So, Nick Newell at least gets to be on Bellator TV,
3: you know? Yeah, I think I think it was, it was a, a bad look, and he's obviously of the caliber. And he won his fight. And, you know, when I was watching this fight with Corey Browning, if, if he, I'm sure you guys haven't looked him up. Not the most impressive looking guy in the world. His record's not super great at five and two. So I was kind of thinking, like, all right, they're feeding Nick Newell a uh, nice, you know, which is one thing I like about Bellator is they'll give guys matches they can win and look impressive. And that's probably why in this card we had finishes top to bottom, which is the first time it's ever happened in Bellator. But I was kind of thinking like, ah, oh, this guy doesn't look that great. Um, they mentioned in the in the broadcast booth that Corey Browning is a Bellator fighter. I think he's had three fights in Bellator. And he beat Kimbo Slice Jr., which is somewhat of a name. It's like, oh, this, this guy's quasi-decent, and Nick Newell really just kind of ran through him. He looked really good in this fight. So I'm excited to see what Nick does in Bellator. I don't think I doubt they're going to go this route again and be like, well, you get one more shot. Oh, no, apparently now he's got a full-time Bellator contract. Like, what? Yeah, I mean, this this seems like antics to kind of make a story work. It, it just doesn't need a story. There, Nick Newell is captivating enough just because of who he is and what he's overcome and how skilled he is. You don't need to add extra drama onto it, but they did. It worked out in their favor this time. They would have looked like assholes if, you know, he had a fantastic performance, ended up losing like a bad decision. Like, oh, I guess he can't have you back. They probably would have given him a contract regardless. But having all this fabricated drama in between just isn't necessary. You know, let the fight speak for themselves.
2: Uh, Stefan, I mean, you want to join our outrage train here? Well, it was really my outrage train that I have dragged Mike and Mark onto. But <laughs> what do you think? <laughs>
1: Uh, for many reasons, we are no longer friends of Bellator,
0: <laughs> as you can tell. We love Bellator. Bellator is the greatest. Give us tickets. I mean, they just said no.
1: The rejections already came. They already, Mike. they we're already not, got the rejection, Mike. They already rejected us. They
2: already said no. Mark and I, let's just peel back the curtain. No one's listening. They're not listening to this anyway. Mark and I were going to go cover Bellator 226. Headlined by Ryan Bader versus Czech Congo. That's right, guys. We were going to go watch Czech Congo fight live for you. Okay? To provide you better content. Um, but no, we got a rejection letter and we're just messing around. But it would have been yeah. nice to go. We're just busting balls here. would have been nice to go. The reality is, I've been to a lot of Bellator events as
3: press. And it's a blessing we went to any. Oh, of course, yeah. You know, and, and 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 here we are burning the one bridge that. What? Us- what? We didn't
2: burn any. Br- I didn't burn any bridges. We're just making jokes. Um, mm-hmm. the, the Nick Newell thing, though, Bellator. Just if a guy's he's good enough the fight for you, because let's be honest, if Tank Abbott and Don Frye said they wanted to run it back, the promotion we'd all expect to to air that fight would be Bellator. So, let's let's let us have a guy who's actually relatively young and good fight. Um. Yeah, I'm done talking about fighting, except, um, Stefan, when Ben Askren and Damian Maya go five rounds in Singapore in a couple months, how ready are you for Ben Askren to get knocked out standing by Damian Maya?
1: Man, I am waiting for a patty cake boxing match of epic proportions. Damian I mean, Maya's going to tap him out. Like, Remember the video game
2: where you could only get a, that one achievement if you ran towards it with Damian Maya threw up a flying arm bar, and that's how you did it? That's how Ben's I mean, going to lose. Didn't,
1: didn't Jake Shields win like a kickboxing match? No, da, him
2: and Jake Shields just went 25 minutes of Jake Shields being on top, Damian Maya being on bottom, and Jake Shields won for being on top.
1: Who did Jake Shields win a kickboxing match against?
2: Um, Tyrone
1: Woodley. <laughs> oh <laughs> man get jake shields back in the ufc is what i'm saying there that's was all of, i'm like,
3: saying bully beat down where he survived the kickboxing match against the
2: bullies so i know i'm in the minority here but i loved jake shields and uh and damian maya and i'm happy to see ben Askren and uh damian do their do their thing well the ufc's uh uh saying who's the best grappler in the world and i'm just like Man, probably whoever won Abu Dhabi this year. Neither of these two. But Look, okay.
0: <laughs> all I'm saying is that I saw Jake Shields work out once at a planet fitness and the man was curling 55s.
2: Damn. I mean, I saw Jake Shields, you know, work out in the fucking uh excess club in Las Vegas too. And the man was curling two hundred and hundred and five pound Asian girls. So, no problem. <laughs> um, all right, let's do stuff we like. Um
3: I mean, could, could, are, we, are we at least going to say that we're all pit, picking and oh, just... Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, no, I wasn't trying to be funny.
2: Um, I actually forgot. UFC is going to be in China this weekend in... Uh, where the fuck are they, guys? Shenzhen? Yeah. Um. Anybody got some fast facts about Shenzhen? About where that is exactly?
0: Uh, yeah, I actually do have some fun facts about where Shenzhen Guys, is. I swear to God I
2: didn't plan this, but in my head I'm like, Mike might know. So, Mike, go for it.
0: <laughs> it's in China.
2: Oh, you bitch! It is a modern metop- metropolis. Okay, they wrote their own Wikipedia page. Um, that links Hong Kong to China's mainland. So it is the path these terrible, terrible people are taking. <laughs> it's to, t- Not great. Yeah, the people, Although, who, the, the path they're taking to lay like, a beating on these protesters is. You, you think I was
1: kidding when I said they're going to be the Hong Kong police are going to take a break from beaten protesters and providing nice security for this lovely? I area. mean that could very much be a reality
0: yes but you know it's probably not as threats to say it's a modern metropolis i mean considering i mean how old are any of the cities really in china at this point
2: i mean i know hong kong itself is pretty fucking awesome okay what is this how many people live here let me just see one of those cities got like fifty. i mean it's china
0: so probably like 13 million million?
2: 13 million people yeah okay okay. it's pretty fucking big um Yeah. yeah this card is trash you know okay in terms of notoriety is trash for all i know uh, Mizuki Inoue and Wu Yan- Yan- Yanan are going to be fucking great. But UFC hasn't marketed anything to anybody successfully in fucking years. So, um, Jessica Andrade, Weili-, Weili Zhang. Um, last time we saw Jessica Andrade, she was losing to Rose Na- uh, Namayunas. But then she dumped her on her head eight minutes into the fight and was champion. Um... <laughs> Li Zhang has been in the UFC for, I want to say, three fights? Someone help me out here. Um, I think three fights. Uh, let's go with three fights until I pull this up otherwise. Uh, uh, three goddamn yeah. fights. Three fights. She's 3-0. and oh, And she, every girl she beat, I knew who they are. Danielle Taylor, Jessica Aguilar, Tisha Torres. Um, in this fight, she is the underdog. Um, but Surprisingly close. Yeah, well, I think, I think the whole Jessica Andrade was losing before she won the belt thing was a factor, along with Whaley being at home. Um, what are the odds exactly?
1: Uh, minus 185 to Jessica Andrade, the champ, and plus 160 to the Chinese challenger.
2: Um, we're not going to break this down necessarily. Anybody think the champion's not retaining
1: here? Negative. I don't. Because I don't give a shit about standings. I got the Chinese person winning, and then saying she supports the the Hong Kong police. And oh, she's gonna she's not she can't play Mulan either. Then look, look, I didn't get my (laughs) Daniel Cormier moment, so I'm gonna get my cringe moment in this one, and we're gonna have the giant China propaganda party. You know what, new champion. We
2: have so many Chinese fighters in this card. Law of large numbers says somebody's gonna say some shit, right? Like, come on, um. Worth mentioning, just to,
0: make, just to make sure, Steph, you did just say that she's gonna voice her support for the police. Yes, he right? did. He's Stephon's oh, going yeah. for the. Stephon's You're going a Chinese for Chinese
1: celebrity. You gotta support the mainland, lest they make your family disappear. Stephon, That's how it works.
2: Stephon's going with the dystopian reality of our existence right now.
1: Is what you this. who, those of you who have hopes for the future, mm-hmm. let your hopes and dreams die like mine. Um. By the way, Li Jing Lang, um, is
2: a. Big ass underdog <laughs> against Elizu Zaleski dos Santos. Like plus two fifty, bad. So yeah.
3: Not really doing uh, any favors for their hometown boy, but you know what?
2: If I had money on this car, co- if I had to bet on anybody, I'd bet on this dude who's plus five hundred. Zhen Hong Lu against Mov- Movzar Movsar Evalov. Because fuck, man, five to one. Nobody knows either of these guys. People are guessing.
1: I don't know. Movzar sounds like he could be a Dagestani wrestler. Uh, he might just throw this Chinese man to the ground repeatedly. The
2: guy fought in M1. You might be right. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, this card's happening. The exact time of which is... Um, the main card is at... 6 a.m. Eastern Time. 3 a.m. Pacific. There are five... Oh,
1: I am definitely not watching
2: that. How is this, by the way, of all the fucking six, seven fight main cards, this one's five fights? Um... Unless every all those other fights go to decision and I wake up even earlier than usual, I will not be seeing this live. Mike might look, see
1: live. <laughs> look man, college football starts on Saturday for real. Watch that instead. Are you guys ranked? Yeah, we're ranked in we're the big game of the week. We're playing Auburn in uh Dallas for some reason. We're playing at the Cowboy Stadium in I,
0: Arlington. I have a question uh By the way, what, we in are this you case guys eat,
2: Stephon? What make clear Stefan roots for the University of Oregon when we say that? But yeah. Go ahead. Uh, uh, I've seen Oregon us ranked length.
1: at I've seen us ranked as high as nine and like as low as like thirteen. Mike was getting ready to talk shit because we're ranked twenty-two. <laughs> I, was. I, was ho- I was. Mike, there was no equation where any that.
2: team in the big game of the week was going to be ranked behind our twenty-two ranked asses. Oh, you, you thought Syracuse was somehow higher, dude? We we should we, we might as well just fucking take screenshots because two three. We get we are we get we're ranked high because all those sports writers fucking went to Syracuse. That's
0: why. Um, uh, no, is because Syracuse had a great year last year we're returning a very large nucleus of our team and we got touchdown tommy devito as our starting quarterback now
1: touchdown tommy shade what, what's a great syracuse
0: year like nine and four did we w- uh, last year we went 10 and three shut your mouth did we win all the right, bowl yeah, game Yeah,
1: one more you took the over you we won the, the bowl over. game
0: didn't we were in yeah bowl? we won the bowl game whatever fu- the outback bowl outback bowl we won that shit
2: um mark's about to fall asleep all right boys and girls let's do stuff we like um I'm going to just talk about a brief Disney thing because Stefan's going to talk about Disney for the entirety of his time.
1: So why you going to jump right
2: on to the one thing I got? Yeah, it's okay. I'm talking about streaming services real quickly. Um, I just want to say I like the fact that uh, Disney's streaming service is—I already fucked it up. Six ninety-nine or seven ninety-nine? Um, one of those things. He gave you give me four streams with four K. So I want to say I'm paying sixteen fucking dollars for that right now with Netflix. Disney's coming for Netflix's ass. Um, I mean, I was watching DC Legends of Tomorrow the past couple days from like two seasons ago, and I remember watching it thinking, eh, I like that they talk about like real people from history and teach these kids about who Julius Caesar was, even if for 10 minutes. It's not, it's okay.
1: Is that a WB show? Yeah. It's, it's not, w, oh, it's it's not w- w- WB anymore. What
2: is it? Uh, CW. It's one of those. Yeah. It's, uh, it's on Netflix. I was like, ah, eh, let's watch this. Um, not bad, I'm watching season 3 It's got a bunch of people I don't recognize Which makes me wonder if I watch season 2 or not um, And uh, I still haven't seen Hobbs vs. Shaw That's next weekend though So I'll give you my review of a one and a half month old movie At that point um, Stefan, Disney, go
1: Yeah That's so why his voice is a little bit hoarse
2: It's because of this I'm imagining
1: <laughs> uh, I actually was sick uh, last week And uh, that's why I missed the show last week I was still pretty sick I had a job interview where I had to talk to eight people in three and a half hours because tech companies are insane with uh, no voice. But, um, yeah, this past weekend, I had a three-day pass down to the D23 convention. Um, For those unfamiliar, it is a every-two-year convention um, that's basically Disney's, like, we own enough shit that we throw our own Comic-Con. Like, San Diego Comic-Con, like, we got our own properties. Um, And, my God, they do have their own things. Between, you know, we all know about Disney and Pixar – we know about the Marvel and Star Wars acquisitions. But there was like a whole thing for like uh what's that show called? Um uh Handmaiden's Tale? There was a whole like bunch of exhibits and props from that. There's all this Golden Girl stuff, and I was like, where am I? And I'm like, oh I'm in the, the Hulu. Properties. I'm in the Hulu panel. And I'm like, they own Hulu, so they own like all these other TV stations. And they had, yeah, they I mean, doesn't Disney own like 40% of me- most major media nowadays. It's but, um, not
2: comfortable. It's an uncomfortable
1: amount of control by one media conglomerate. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it's just really cool. I've been to a lot of conventions. I've been to San Diego Comic Con. And I was saying to Mark when I was talking about it, you know, we went to the Silicon Valley Comic Con uh, maybe like a week ago. And when you think of them, what do you think about on the floors? It's probably like 95% vendors, just people selling stuff, merch, Funko Pop figures. And, yeah, there's a lot of vendors. Yeah, there's a lot of giant stores at D23. But I would say that roughly makes up, like, 30 35%. There are a ton of exhibits, just things to see. Um, Tons of news came out uh, from this weekend. I mean, if you're listening to us, you're probably aware of pop culture. There were, you know, more new Marvel properties. Um, They announced three, like, like She-Hulk, Moon Knight, and Ms. Marvel for the Disney Plus series. We got the Mandalorian trailer. For, uh, on the Star Wars end, directed by John Favreau, starring Pedro Pascal. Got the uh, former queen of MMA herself, Gina Carano, find a new life in her acting career, and I gotta give them props, because that trailer did something I didn't think was possible. It made me excited for a Star Wars property. Star Wars has had some bad publicity lately, and I thought the Mandalorian trailer looked, like, dope. It was, it was dark, it was gritty, um, and man, the production values. You guys all see it? Like, i haven't haven't watched it yet i haven't seen it it doesn't look like a tv show man that looks like the episode 10 movie effect budget it looks good i read it was 10 it's it's got a 10 million dollars an episode budget that blows game of thrones out of the water like um wait did did you just say 10 million dollars an episode yep that's the budget for the mandalorian
0: that can't be that can't be right do you know how
1: much money disney takes in Like, when you look at the billion-dollar movie club, like, nine of ten of them are Disney these days. They're the only ones who have
0: money.
2: They're just just selling action figures, man. They're printing money. Think about the merch. Just think of the merch.
0: Do kids still buy action figures? Yeah,
2: man. They buy action figures. They buy video games. The whole point of these movies is to sell—is not even the movie to make money. It's the rest of it to make money. They could give a shit about—the movie could break even. They're going to make so much money on the ancillary shit. It doesn't matter.
1: (laughs) I mean, that said, the movie generated a lot of hype, too. Ray come in with the, uh, double-sided Darth Maul saber, um, that broke the internet for a minute there, um, I mean, props to them, like, Star Wars was a pretty, like, waving the white flag property in terms of, um, internet opinion, but they they got a lot of people, uh, the event is just friggin' awesome, though, high-end cosplay, I mean, the stores are really cool, too, a lot of the exclusive merch, um, you know, I dropped a paycheck going to this event, uh, it, it was an awesome time. It, it's every two years. I don't think it's super open to the public. I think there's a limited amount. Um, I think you still need uh, friends and family type connections to Disney. But uh, ask around. Someone you work for, probably Ancillary, works for them. Uh, my brother works through them for them through acquisition uh, from the Fox merger. Um, yeah, I... I mean, I don't know what stories came out for you guys, but it pretty much dominated all my media headlines. They had so many things coming out. Emma Stone is going to play a, like a young prequel, Cruella Deville. I know uh, that generated a lot of hype. I'm a big Emma Stone fan. She's basically our age, so it's kind of cool to kind of track her career. But, um, yeah, I don't know what you guys saw of it. Um, I think one of the other things I was talking to Mark and what I got to check out is they had a big display. They announced the Avengers campus. Um, if you don't know what that is, they opened star Wars land this summer over in Disneyland. Um, and not to be undone California adventure, they're calling it the Avengers campus. I call it Avengers land. Um, yeah, they're, they're getting rid of the old Hollywood area. And uh, uh, I heard it was
3: bugs life. That's getting the boot.
1: Yeah. But, oh, that's, that makes...
3: I think that's, a, if you're going to cut something on the chopping block, bugs life's a good one.
1: You know what that gives context to Mark? Uh, on one of the display floors they had all the bugs life ride vehicles mm-hmm. and you can like take pictures in of them i didn't realize it was because it was an extinction exhibit we don't
3: need this anymore
1: <laughs> they're like we're removing these come come get one it's last photo going
3: here for the exhibit and then dumpster um but it's yeah uh, if I, I mean i don't know about the guys but uh, honestly uh outside looking in there wasn't a ton of new stuff. Because usually at D23 is when they would do the big Marvel phases and be like, oh, this is all the shit that's dropping. And they kind of blew that wad at Comic-Con. So I was really interested. like, what are they going to show? So like you mentioned, they announced three more uh, Disney Plus um, uh, series that are coming out, uh, She-Hulk, Miss Marvel, and Moon Knight, which all sound really awesome. But yeah. And then they had the Star Wars trailers, um, which were cool. But yeah, it wasn't quite as heavy-handed as it had been in the past but still seemed cool and like you said i think it's it seems like a really cool place to go just to see i mean what i mostly saw you know from like videos of people that went there was mostly like a lot of the costumes were on display like you mentioned the uh the schematics for the new plan, which I also heard, kind of sucks because I guess they're like one of the big rides there. It's going to be Spider-Man, <laughs> and it's like, oh, this might not have timed out super well. Maybe they can fix that, but um, but yeah, it still seemed really awesome. And and I implore uh, Bobby and Mike to check out the Mandalorian trailer because it. Well, it, it, if you didn't know better, you'd think it this was like another solo movie or something because it doesn't. It does not scream television live action show. It screams full cinematic experience. Um and it looks really awesome. So yeah.
0: What I'm really looking forward to is the uh Miss Marvel TV show. Um Miss Marvel in the last few years has become one of my favorite uh Marvel characters. Yeah, um
1: I told Mark of the of the three announced out I'm I'm with you, Mike. That's the one I'm looking forward to. Also for a little selfish reason, um she adopts Lockjaw in the comic books and uh Lockjaw a giant teleporting bulldog
0: um you know i'm a fan of that it's all i want to cosplay my do, bulldog. do you want to give people some context as to who the hell lockjaw is are you just going to assume everyone knows I who this jaw is a gigantic teleporting inhuman bulldog
1: but um it's interesting because feige said he doesn't want to do in humans which kind of implies he's gonna change the origin of ms marvel's power maybe they just make her a mutant since that's the whole deal of what inhumans were basically replacing during that whole period anyways and could be an
3: easy bridge to it, how they include x-men and stuff like that too so that would make sense the humans are always been kind of weird as someone who has not read any of the, the basically none of the comments co- comics um just the origins that there's some weird basically there's most aliens among us you don't know who who's who And then you smell this gas and then you basically cocoon yourself and come out a mutant, which is basically anything from like, oh, I have cool stretchy abilities like uh, Miss Marvel, or I become a giant insect person that's like rampaging the city. Like there's, it can be whatever you want it to be. And I mean, it's a cool device for comic creators to be like, okay, I want to make this superhero. Can I have them not be in an accident? Can they just be this thing? And this is another way to like get there, but it's a very weird way to
0: get there. Well. They could they could still do the Inhumans because they did introduce the Terrigan Mask and Inhumans in the uh, Age of Shields Shield series. That's true. The they, TV be- is not canon. Feige does not like Quesada at all or Jeff
1: Loeb or whoever runs the TV division. He's drawn a hard line. None of the shit you do counts.
3: And I think Inhumans left a bad taste in their mouth, too. They They, they gave it a shot. It did. It basically curved tailed and s- exploded on them. So like maybe did we don't
1: maybe watch that in human series cuz I knew gonna, one thing. That. like a movie first or something. I don't even know it, how I all, could what do. I know is it featured Medusa who's known for having her giant living hair and you know what they did to her apparently in the second or third episode? They shaved her head. <laughs> nice.
3: That's like, oh, you know what we're going to do a cyclops, we're going to take his eyes out. These are getting in the way.
2: Um Mark, what do you got?
3: Yeah, um, last couple weeks I have been complaining about a bit of a drought in the, the gaming scene, and that officially ends right now. Um, there is a ton of really cool software dropping this week that I'm personally really excited about. Um, mostly uh, dropping today, as you guys are listening to this, is Control, which is a uh, the newest game from Remedy. Uh, they did the original Max Payne, Alan Wake, uh, Quantum Break was their last game. Um, I always really like their stuff. I... I had kind of put it in my head that Control would, could potentially be a dark horse for Game of the Year. Um, reviews came out this morning. Doesn't seem like that's necessarily the case. It looks like they kind of dropped the ball on some technical issues with frame rate. Um, and what was the other thing they were kind of messing up on? I, I know the story wasn't super great. Uh, yeah, there was some other technical issue besides just the frame rate. Oh, a texture pop in, which I'm probably going to see a lot of on the base PS4. But um, the concept is really cool about basically this government agency called the. Fr- the Federal Bureau of Control, and they're in this big building called the, um, the Old House, and it does all kinds of weird, crazy sci-fi shit. It looks really cool. I uh, didn't review super high, but still reviewed, I think, 81, 82 on Metacritic, so I'm really excited for that. Um, there's a racing game from the guys that used to make the Demolition Derby games called Wreckfest, which is finally coming out on console. Also launching today is an indie game called Knights and Bikes. And this are from a couple of the guys that used to work at Media Mo- Molecule, which looks looks like a really cute indie game. Then on Friday, we have Man of Medan, which is the next big game from the Until Dawn uh, develop- development team, which I think is super giant or super massive. I think maybe super massive. I'm not sure if that's the dev- devs team's name. Um, but that's kind of like a horror game where you basically get to pick and choose how your characters react. Um, is it's it really in the same
1: vein of uh, Until Dawn? It
3: is. It is um, so what they're doing is um, Man of Medan is the first of a series which are calling the Dark Chronicles. And I think it's supposed to be five games. And they're anticipating next year to release two every year. And I don't I don't know if they're going to be directly connect- connected or kind of like a Twilight Zone where there's like a loose thread connecting all of them or something, but um, it looks really cool. And I really liked Until Dawn. Those are really fun games to play with a bunch of people. Um, and they kind of dove into that a bit more where you have different game modes where you're playing online with people or you're going to have five people locally and like, Oh, you're going to control this character, make their choices. I'm going to control this one. Um, and then, A couple more games. The Blair Witch Project um, just announced a game I think at E3 and it's coming out this Friday and it looks really cool. There's been an influx of kind of high-quality horror games. Uh, They're really popular for streaming sites like Twitch and stuff. Um, So I'm looking forward to that one. And lastly on the Switch, um, Astral Chain is the new game from the Platinum Game devs. They're the ones I've done the Bayonetta series and um, Astral Chain has looked really interesting. Um, and review scores came out the same time controlled it, and they've been extremely positive. So if you kind of like your character action games, like your Devil May Cries and your Bayonettas, Astral Chain might be one you're interested in too. So yeah, just a plethora of really cool games coming out this week, and it just continues from here. The next couple weeks... Actually, all of September is fucking craziness. October's got some real bangers. The beginning of November, um, we're officially in the fall gaming season, which is usually my most excited time because this is when all the heavy hitters start to hit for the holiday season. This year isn't quite as massive as the years past. We're, we are kind of on the eve of a new generation coming, so lots of devs are you know making software titles for the next gen. Um, but there's still a lot of good stuff Um for this generation um, a lot of it's going to be hitting early next year but there's a lot of bangers coming out the end of the next year and we will be addressing them as they come up every week here on things we like
2: mike
0: i didn't know we uh we changed the name of the segments to things we like stuff we like stuff there i like. like there we go, there we go. whatever All right, there we go much better um Two things for me this week. Uh, the first one is that the new season of Thirteen Reasons Why came out. So if you are a sixteen-year-old, uh, you know, teenager in high school, um, or or you just, stup-
2: or you just share the viewing habits of one.
0: Yeah, whatever. Don't be stupid. Don't do anything that is talked about on this show because the teenagers that are on these shows are idiots. Uh, even so, it's a good show um about well, a quarter of the way through the third season. um, I know you guys are never gonna watch this show. I'm pretty sure maybe maybe Steh has watched it.
2: It's the show about uh teenagers killing themselves,
0: yeah, that's the one. Have you watched this
1: stuff? No, that's like if I gotta protect my niece from it, but uh in the same vein. I'm heard the ones that are like, if you want to feel fucked up as an adult, is to watch the HBO version Euphoria. I don't know what it's about, but apparently it's about like it's about high drugs. school kids and like it's about a terrible. shit ton of drugs. That's what right. Euphoria is about. Sounds wow. like it. It seems like but, an ecstasy based show.
0: But back to Thirteen Reasons Why. So, um, since I know you guys will never watch it, and I will just say spoiler alert for anyone who actually does like the show. Um, about spoiler away about maybe. a bit. So. You know, the first two seasons were essentially about the the suicide of a of, of a girl and the repercussions from it, and you know it wrapped itself up pretty nicely at the end of the second season. And I remember, as the last episode of season two was going on, I thought, "All right, so this is the end of the show." I mean, they're pretty much wrapping up everything that happened with the girl with the suicide, and then at around the end of the second up ep- of the second season. Um one of the guys uh he gets uh he gets uh a broomstick you know shoved all the way up his uh his booty hole by uh a set of teenagers from the school and he goes to the school at the uh, at for a high school dance to to go shoot it up and the main character stops him from doing that and While the cops are coming, you know, takes away the guy's guns and, you know, saves the guy from getting arrested for everything. And the third season is the repercussions of that. In addition to, um, it's basically become a whodunit as well because one of the main characters from the first two seasons has been murdered. And we don't know who did it. So... I thought that the show was pretty much done after the first two seasons and I thought possibly they were jumping the shark with what they were doing in the third season. But so far it's turned out to be pretty engrossing and a pretty good show so far. So if you haven't watched 13 Reasons Why yet, um, I would say go back, watch the first two seasons so that you can then watch the third Um now besides that the other thing that I really like this week wait is that what what happened instead of watching that bummer show just
2: just watch american vandal man <laughs> if you didn't watch american vandal <laughs> watch a much happier version of this li- of something cuz life is not life is too short to bum yourself out I on will this level like, I'll <laughs> give you credit Totally zoning out
3: when you start talking. And then you mentioned something about putting a broom up someone's butt. And I was like, what? What's this now? And then, Yo, and then this was, is like I'll a
2: fucking... do And i it on. Like, okay, this show took some turns. I did not think- Yo, this is a sad ad. Man, this is a depressing ad show. Watch American Vandal instead, man. Okay?
0: What was the first season of American Vandal about? Someone drawing dicks note? on
2: cars. That's oh, the yeah, second... Brown Noah's second cars. They talk about real shit. And you know what? You keep your humanity on some level. Uh, Sorry, Mike. What's your second thing?
0: (laughs) So the second thing I like is that Friday night, I got a hankering for some ice cream. So I decided to go get some ice cream. Mike, I talked to you
2: while this was happening. This is not. (laughs) Okay, fine.
0: Well, the thing I want is not that I'm going to say I like ice cream. It's that what I want to harp on is that I think vanilla gets a bad rap. All right vanilla is my favorite flavor of ice cream I'm and with you, mike. i i think that vanilla you know it gets disparaged like when something's you know boring or you know you know unimaginative guys it's like 11 p.m say, on the
2: east coast mike's had a long day go yo, ahead yo yo, mike. yo.
0: Can, can i can i get on my
3: soapbox yeah, he's talking can about you, the can you back the up man, bobby you guys don't understand go on mike
0: what i was saying is that you know when something's unimaginative or unoriginal what do people say oh it's too vanilla what is the problem with something being too vanilla vanilla is delicious all right i mean
1: the the grand irony of that statement mike is uh, if you know vanilla's origins it is actually quite an exotic flower from south america and up until international trade occurred it was one of the most valuable and rare of delicacies around the world
3: and it tastes delicious i agree with mike and you'll notice no one ever says no one ever says like, oh, that's so French vanilla because I can't say that because they know French vanilla is some good ass shit. So they can't disparage that. I'm, I'm with you, Mike. I, I also enjoy vanilla ice cream. I also like a chocolate chip in vanilla ice cream. Ooh. You know, they, they tend, you know, when, when people tend to go crazy with ice cream, they usually use vanilla as the base because they know they start with something good. And we can just add some stupid, cra- crazy shit into this and it's going to end up good. I'm not as as keen on the on the chocolate ice cream.
0: Here are my here's my hierarchy for ice cream. Okay, if you got vanilla, give me vanilla. If you got French vanilla, I'll take French vanilla. If you don't have either of those, I'll take some cookies and cream because you know what cookies and cream is, It's vanilla with little Oreos in them. And a little cream. (laughs) I will say, though, I am actually a little shocked that I'm getting no pushback from this. My girlfriend was assuming that this is going to be another pancake discussion. Well, no, wait, right wait, right well, wait, no, no, no.
2: You, you just said some bullshit right there that it's the best ice cream flavor. That's not true.
0: But oh, it is the people, best ice cream. people
2: liking vanilla
0: in general, sure. Well, what do you consider the best ice cream flavor?
2: You know what, man? I was cream? really excited because this podcast is at 57 minutes. I really thought we were going to get out of here in under an hour. But the best ice cream flavor is cookies and cream.
3: Oh, okay. okay. Well, that's just a variation okay, of vanilla.
0: Right. That's and just vanilla exactly? with extra steps. Let me tell you something about well, vanilla a, is the a bacon cheeseburger
2: pin. is just a two pieces of bread with a couple extra steps Look, Let me okay? tell you something
0: Bobby vanilla is the linchpin flavor of ice cream It is the Red Ranger of ice cream Mike you're right? editing this you podcast I want to eat dinner Ranger team without the Red Ranger and you can't have a successful ice cream shop without vanilla
1: Hear here, huzzah Cheers right. to that motherfuckers
2: Great Um all right, uh, boys and girls, thank you all for listening. Go get some ice cream, apparently. I'm mean, gonna, one of the fucking good. tags on this podcast is gonna be vanilla. Um, be back next week. Uh, no DJ Mark, um, but Mike's the only one awake at a reasonable hour for this card on Saturday, so it's gonna be his job to break down what happens in the Wei Li Zhang versus Jessica Andrage card. He thinks I might be kidding, I am not. So, uh, Mike's gonna break down what happens in that card for us on Monday. Um, everybody enjoy your Labor Day weekend. Um, if it's got, if you got nice weather, and by nice, I mean not so hot, you're melting, go put something on the grill. Um, we'll see you guys next week. Um, and if you're in Hong Kong, man, just fucking power to the people, man. Do what you gotta do. Just saying. And, watch if you see this if you see these the, the 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 forces at the ufc event someone pour a beer on them um see you guys later um i was dr law kid presentable was here lavender gooms was here dj mark was here thank you all for listening and peace out
0: see you guys see ya. <laughs>